Bill Simmons hosts the most downloaded sports podcast of all time with a rotating crew of celebrities, athletes, media staples, and a slew of other friends and family members who always happen to be available. Check out the Bill Simmons podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. (laughs) scary hours Hi everyone, welcome to Rise House on Ringer FC. Hope you're all safe and well. Today we're going to talk about Mason Greenwood's development as a striker after his winner against Wolves. We'll also look ahead to the return of the Barclays WSL and talk about some of our favourite moments from the weekend. And my guests today are Mr. Mayawa Quadri and Mr. Carl Anka. How are we doing, fellas? What great! It's great to see you guys, man. Look at the smiles. I'm just seeing smiles. I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? How are you, my friend? I'm good, man. I can't not say something about Arsenal. So you can't start the season how we start the season. And when people ask you if you're all right, you say, yeah, I'm all right. I'm, I'm feeling a little bit. Ask. I was about yeah. to ask. We've just come off of, you know, a bank holiday. I was like, why mm. are you not great? And then I realised, ah, oh, there's that potential yeah. lingering of, you know. Yeah, but the thing is, guys, <laughs> is that I don't know how you feel. And I feel, I don't, like as a fan now, being a proper fan on the outside of it and just, worrying about what the team's doing, seeing what they're doing, it actually it, it affects me. And, it's, and to be able to talk about it now, how it affects how my, my demeanour is, how I feel, because everybody, guys, asks me about what's happening with Arsenal. Literally everybody. Can't walk down the street, people don't ask. And so I can totally understand now that from a time when you're playing and you're in it, trying to score the goals, trying to do something, there's a certain certain bit, there's a certain time where you think to yourself, well, yeah, but they'll be fine. Fans will be fine. The fans are fine. We just we win the games, they'll be fine. They're not fine. I think the fans are constantly worried. Even if you're winning, I think they're worried. Because if you're winning, they're worried about if you start losing. Mm-hmm. And if we're started like we have started, Arsenal, you're worried about, well, when's this gonna get better? You know, so this is why I'm not great. Everything else is brilliant. I'm not great. I'm even playing great golf. My golf is good. <laughs> That's the normally the thing that fucks me is the golf. And then Arsenal sometimes save me with something. But even at the moment, the golf's good. Arsenal, Arsenal killing me, bro. Do you know what the, um, the damning part about this is? You know, typically people say, you know, the only way is up, mm. you know, which is, is realistically true. Mm. However, mm. <laughs> you speak to a lot of Arsenal fans, <laughs> they're starting to think that Maybe it's not the only way we can go, which is kind of like uh, that's, that's me. Yeah, it's <laughs> me, that's the me. thing though. Like it's it it's not gonna happen. But the fact that some people are actually thinking it and some people can joke about it probably makes you feel worse as a fan. So the strange mm. thing is, we all say it's not gonna happen, and that is less to do with the inherent quality of what Arsenal are doing, and more to yeah. do with the money spent, right? Like you know. Yeah. In the Premier League, player wages and finances take care of like ninety-five percent of the league. That's what Graham Potter says. He says at a certain yeah. point, you can, you can't, you can. It's not such thing as too big to fail, but you can be too rich to fail. Like even when you're really, really, really bad, mm-hmm. if you just spend enough money on enough football players, eventually something clicks and they win enough football games. So that's that. So they're not going to get relegated. I can say that. I can say, <laughs> or at least I can feel as if if they didn't have that wage budget. And it was just blind testing. Uh, I'd be going that those are four or five signals of a football team in, in yeah. big distress. Yeah. Big distress. Big distress. Can I just say, just, just touching because like, we're not, we're not, we're not really doing Arsenal this morning, but like I say, as an Arsenal fan, as an Arsenal, as an Arsenal person, you can't, you can't be doing a podcast and not mention something, but can I just say about this all or nothing just quickly? 
Mm-hmm. And the fact that I, I, I've worked it out now because obviously I've been thinking about all the different scenarios in, into what's going wrong with us, what's happening with us, everything, ESL, why we try to go in that, what we do. I cannot understand why Arsenal, with the global club that they are, even at the moment we seem to be in a bit free for, why are we doing all or nothing? And what the conclusion I've come to is I think that like a lot of our fans, they don't realise we are slipping into a eighth, twelfth feet kind of vibe. That's, you know, if we're going to be t- totally honest at the moment and you look where we are, I don't think people can argue with that. And I think that the, the arrogance and the naivety of the people upstairs at Arsenal doing it all or nothing, thinking that for what reason, I don't know. Because I understand Man City doing it with their, obviously with, the, with their winning and they're starting to build fans all around the world, but they need to continue to build that. Cannot understand why we've done it. And I think it's the arrogance of the comms and the people who, who, who believe that we should be doing that because I can't understand why we're doing that. You know what I hope that they do? I hope they do go into certain means because if we're not seeing that now as Arsenal fans, right, then you think to yourself, what is that show for? Because I haven't seen anything in a football club like this for Arsenal for a, a long time. Plus, it feels chaotic. Mm-hmm. So I would like to, I'd like to see exactly what's going on. And before I was thinking of this all or nothing, you know something? What, why are we doing this? And now I'm thinking, yes, I want to fucking see this now. I want to see this when this comes out. And so it's going to be interesting to see what happens, you know? I, I hope that they have the 4K cameras, the red cameras, <laughs> the 16K cameras. I hope oh. they have all of the, the best audio equipment, the drones, <laughs> the drones. I hope they have everything because honestly, like you're saying, right, it's, I wouldn't, if there was any club to pick to do this on, I wouldn't have picked no. Arsenal at this mm. moment. Not because, not because I didn't see any upside, but I just thought it's a very tricky situation. Yeah, but Mayo, Mayo, the thing is, is that when you look at it, you think to yourself, did they honestly feel, feel that they're going to go with everything that's going on upstairs, the signings, the, the deals that they've signed, the players that they've signed, the players they're trying to get rid of, all the stuff that's going on, all the shit that we're reading on a constant basis, right? Did they honestly feel that they've got, the, the balls to go into all or nothing to think what we're going to get back into the top four with the way it's being run and the way things are going at the moment. I think it's the word you used before, Ian, when you said naivety, right? Mm. And there's, there's a lot of decision-making right now, not just at Arsenal, but I'd say league-wide where you're going, that's a bit naive. Mm. Or like, you just didn't think that for, for 30 seconds. You know, if you ever do like an improv cast, they always say, you say something and they go, and then what? Mm. And then, wow! Um, and you can t- and I always think about this whenever a football team makes a transfer signing. Like, oh, we've bought this player, and then what? Mm. And you can tell, you can tell when a transfer signing makes sense, and they've they've clearly got an answer for the and then what? Mm. So Aston Villa sign Emi Buendia, and then what? And then we'll probably get uh, Leon Bailey, so Buendia's passes can go to him, and then what? Yeah. And then we'll probably get Danny Ings, so he Danny can put away Ings, those chances. And then what? And then we've probably replaced Jack Grealish. And you can like you can see the connective tissue yes, there. And you can see yeah, the there's joined up thinking on tactics, strategy, and logistics. Mm. You can see loads of stuff for Arsenal and you're going, there is no one in that room going, mm. and then mm. what? Yeah. And I yeah. don't know if that's a, a question of experience. What made them think that? I don't know, Carl. I don't know, Mayor. I don't know what made them think that. But like I say, you know what? Again, you know, it, it comes from my heart. It comes from a place of pure love. And I've, I've said everything. I need to say that Arsenal. Now, you're just waiting to see because there's nothing more. You know what? I wish that they could see the amount of people that I have to continue to try and toe the Arsenal line in respects of just, we're going to be fine. Just continue to love the club, support the club. We're going to be fine. You know something? Let's talk about something very positive and very cool, right? And a player that I think is going to be a monster when he gets, you know, the intelligent movement, the space, the skill that Mason Greenwood, man. Money, Mason. Mason Greenwood. Unbelievable. Greenwood. Unbelievable, Carl. Ex-Greenwood. Gunwood. All the nicknames I've heard. He's Greenwood. Um, Gunwood. He's, honestly. Rarely have I seen a football player constantly wrong foot me. So. <laughs> when, what do you mean? So every time I think, okay, this is probably what he's going to do next in his career. This is his, this is his future. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, like he's fixed in into this thing. He'll show a different bit of his character. I'm going, mm-hmm. oh, wait, maybe he could become this sort of player. Uh, and I can't quite figure out what his eventual position will be and how mm-hmm. he'll play that eventual position. So during the project restart section of 1920, um, we had a look at all the striking stats for England players at, at the Athletic. And we went, okay, well, you know, this is how Danny Ings shoots, this is how Tammy Abraham shoots, this is how all these guys shoot. And we looked at Mason Greenwood's numbers, and it was absurd. He scored something like 10 goals on an XG of three. And yeah. we went, that's yeah. not, that's going to cool off. He's going to start next season, then he's going to have a slump, and he, everyone's going to go, oh, well, that was just a teenager. And then he started 2021 kind of in bad form for, for reasons, and, you know, some of them were off-the-field reasons and whatnot. And then he kicked on in a way, towards the end of last season, that again, he was way outperforming XG. And then we all sort of just looked at our spreadsheets and went, he's doing something that the computers can't register. And it's, it's maybe it's how hard he can kick the ball. Maybe it's the way he can get the shot off from both feet. But there are loads of times where he gets onto the ball and you're going, don't shoot from there. Mm. And he does it and it goes in and you're going, mm-hmm. okay, that was lucky. You shouldn't be able to, <laughs> that was lucky. Don't do that again. And then he'll do it again and it'll go in and you're going, how are you still? How are you still doing this? Um, and I, I, I think he's really interesting football player. Uh, I think he's interesting. You know, can, I, I, so- can I can I say something, Carl? Mm-hmm. Before we before before we ask Mayor to come in, you see, I remember watching Prince Nassim Ahmed fight. Right? Oh, I love and where this is going. It's <laughs> honestly, and so we're talking about somebody. You know, when people talking about boxing and f- on the front foot throwing punches and so. This guy is knocking people out on the back foot, falling away from people. He's doing things, right, that you're not supposed to do. Mm-hmm. This is where I think what, what you're saying about Greenwood is, you know, he, he defies what's meant to happen because Prince, Prince Nassim was knocking people out when he was falling back and, and he's throwing punches. Not like wild punches, but like he's, he's twirling his arm, doing stuff, and he's defying the logic of what's supposedly meant to be going on. And I'm looking at Mason Greenwood and the way he plays. He's got a natural ability and a natural talent where he is, for me, he's like Prince Nassim in his prime in the way he's frying punches, knocking people out off balance. Do you know what I love about him, right? I love the fact that he just, he doesn't care. Onto what Carl is saying. Like, <laughs> it is, he doesn't care. He doesn't care whether it's just the side netting that's available, whether it's the top corner that's available, mm. whether it's just, you know, through the goalkeeper's legs. He is going to shoot. It's going to be on target and it's going to be emphatic and he doesn't mm. care what foot it is. Yeah. And it, the reason why it makes me laugh so much is I remember a few years ago thinking about, you know, um, Carrington has had this stronghold in the Premier League for so many years where you kind of see these agents of Man United's Academy floating around and like, I didn't realise he played for Academy. But when mm. it came to big names from Carrington, the names that always popped up were ages ago you had Ravel Morrison Mm-hmm. He, um, he had Pogba for a bit and then for the last few years it was like this Greenwood kid is amazing he's yeah. doing the unbelievable things he shoots like nothing you've ever seen before in your life and I remember thinking oh, okay so when he got introduced to the first team and then we saw it I said oh my word yeah. they were not lying wow. this kid is insane and you have this thing where you know young players are always going to have their peaks they're always going to have their troughs you know they grow in but Greenwood is a grown man when he plays football. <laughs> oh my word. And I, I, I was fortunate to link up with Carl, right, for that first game of the season. Um, went up to United, saw him, you know, with his iron brew, chilling, doing his analysis. <laughs> and I remember just looking at him, look at Greenwood. And I was looking at Greenwood, I was thinking to myself, his intelligence, even when it's not to his shooting, the way he carves his runs, the way he occupies yes. centre-backs, he, he has this intelligence and ability that is beyond his age. And he's not even got his man strength yet. People need to stop playing around with this kid. He's, he's, he, oh my. Guys, can I tell is, you? He's insane. Honestly, I look, I look at him, right? And I think, to, think of myself at 18, 19. And I, I, I had, um, what would I have? I, I, I had the rawness of just wanting to score and doing stuff. And I remember saying on this, on this podcast, because I, I used to score so, so many goals on a Sunday because I used to think it was so easy because I thought that I was just bullying. I was a flat track, proper flat track bullying in the league I was playing in and you're trying stuff just to, to entertain yourself. Like, hope, like you'll have a shot after you've scored a couple, but I'm shooting to try and hit the bar. I'm shooting to try and score a goal where it hits the post and goes in and it bends in or it, or it misses the post. But sometimes he might get one game where 
it is the post and going in. And that gave me the joy. Like, but the runs, um, the instincts he has, and obviously he's, he's learning a game where, like you say, Carl, is he going to be a centre forward? Is he going to be coming off the left or the right? You know what I mean? I probably think that he probably will continue to come off of the right because I think it'd be too much of a waste for him to just be standing up there unless he could turn into that kind of like how Lukaku plays now. Mm. But like Lukaku's got a whole different body shape. But like what he's learned up to this point, I, I, it, took me, it took me two, three years once I did finally get to Palace at 22 to learn about the runs, to learn about the movement, to, to learn about the confidence of shooting like he is. The only thing I had was I didn't, I didn't care where I shot from. But like for him to come through the United Academy with all the pressure, with like we're talking, like Mayo was saying there, like everybody knows Carl Greenwood. No, he's going to be apparently the best. He's going to be the best of everything that's come out of there. We're talking about even way back, George Best Business. And for him to come onto the scene like he has with the, 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 the striker nous he already has, it's phenomenal. It's, it, it's frightening. So if he, was, if he wasn't in England, if he, like if they bought him from a, like how they got Jaden Sancho and like a Dortmund or something, he would already have a hundred million pound clause on it. He'd already have it on him. He'd already have that buyout clause on him because he's, if he can get anywhere near his potential, then, you know, you have to say, England, Man United, it's, it's going to be nectar. You know, t- 2022, if he carries on at this rate... I mean, the interesting thing about Greenwood is he's not featured in this current mm. England squad for the internationals. He's not that's played... That's age, Carl. I think that's age. That's because they not, know how much time he's got. He's not played for England since the incident in Iceland where he was caught mm. being a bit... Wow. Wow. Shout out to Jeanette. And uh, yeah, it could be age. I think it's... There's a space in the England team for him because he's right. definitely, he offers Southgate something that no other forward has. I'm just wondering when he pulls the trigger and goes, right, now's the time to get you in. And also what sort of England team Southgate wants to build for, for that World Cup. Because if he, if, he if he tries to run it back and plays the same way from the Euros, I'm not sure. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to need more. Mm-hmm. We're going to need more than knowing that. Okay, Raheem, Raheem um, you know, he clocked in. He was, he, he done his bit. He, he was there, but we're going to need more than hoping that Harry Kane has um, a good, like, tournament. Mm-hmm. We're going to need more than that because, you know, this is what I'm saying. You know, with, I like my t-shirt. God save Raheem. If if it wasn't for him, we we don't we don't get to that final. Yeah, you know, I mean, England can't. The end, they can't be a tribute band to what Portugal and Deschamps as France are doing. Mm. And Greenwood is one of maybe two or three players who could be the key to to playing a bit more expansive and using possession a bit more. But that's fun. Goes to what I was saying, right? Like, if you talk about finishing, mm. like he's just like not him as a striker because, like we're saying, he's going to develop. He's it's so crazy. He's played a lot of times for Man United, but it still feels like he hasn't played a lot. It feels like he's been bedded in to a certain mm. extent with all of the strikers and forwards they've got. His development is only going to allow him to get better. But if it comes to, if you're talking about actual finishing, his actual finishing ability, it's insane. And to have that <laughs> as an asset in any team is crazy. You know, the score app where mm. you have to like, you know, you have to recreate the goal. He's mm. one of those people where, you know, when you do the, the move incorrect, it says you have to start again. If it's mm. Greenwood, you just shoot from anywhere because yeah. he has that ability and it, and it counts. Like he's, it's, it's, it's stupid. The fact that he can just kick a ball like that. The and strange thing with him is, mm. And this is the thing where I'm constantly confused by him is if you're a coach, do you tell him stop taking those shots from long range because they're not good quality shots and move and start improving your movement so you can take them closer no. to the goal? Or do you go, you know what? Mm. You can shoot this so hard. I'm going to leave you to it. And mm. I don't, I've asked Solskjaer this. I said, when you've got a player who you can, you know, one day plays a number nine, when do you start adding in new parts to his game? And Solskjaer went, who said, I want to make him a number nine. Mm. Solskjaer's like, mm. I'm just going to teach him as much as possible and leave him to do what yeah. he wants. But that's the, um, that's the thing with, um, with being a striker. Like I say, like Steve Koppel, it was, it was amazing what he'd done for me because the rawness, like I was saying about just shooting from everywhere and stuff, is, it was natural to me to do that. 
But there's certain times, especially once I got into the Fallis first team, where I went through a phase where I was scared to do that because I was so afraid of the, the older players and shooting where somebody might be in a better position or, you know what I mean, or, or, or giving the ball away, which was something that I was petrified of. Now, I know that Greenwood's had a better, a better like upbringing in football in the way that he's been coached from a young age to do what he does. But for him to maintain that kind of raw goal, hunger, finishing with both feet, his movement is absolutely amazing. Something that when I played, when I played the, the football that I was playing, you know what I mean? I could give those guys five yards and then bam, just put the ball over the top, you run onto it and score. Like, you know, he's been playing, the way he's been playing, he's had to make, he's, he had to time his runs, he had to bend his runs. I had to learn this very quickly when I went to Palace, because like I said, I was very raw, but like Steve Koppel, like he did say to me, I don't want you to change the way you see the game in the last third in the box. Mm. Try your stuff, try your chips, do what you do. Um, but like for me, Greenwood is somebody that's come through and he's, he's, he's obviously had that from a very young age because for him to blast onto the, Premier League scene and just scoring these goals from all angles, all kinds of goals. And then we've not even seen the real poacher goal yet, you know, where he's just in there, you know, because he's got himself. I remember he scored one, took it off of Cavani, or maybe it might have been last season or something, where he was right in the middle of the box and he scored a nice little goal right in the middle of the box. When we start seeing those goals as well, then you start to realise he's probably now getting it as the, the number nine. So, number nine. And maybe he's not in there, guys, simply because he has to start from outside on the wing. But if he's somebody that gets down the centre and he's in the centre, in the middle of the goal, get his head in going, get, in his, get to the near post, far post, all that stuff, tap-ins in the box, which Man United will create in abundance, then we're talking about a multiple golden boot winner. So, right, in your perspective, yeah, as someone, you know, who, you know, killed the Premier League, how does like a striker mm. keep on developing? Because like to a certain extent, you see with Greenwood, right? Mm. A lot of what he does is second nature. Like, mm. don't get me wrong. I think he's been unbelievably coached at a young level. But a lot of this, when you watch him, you can just look at him and say, you know what? This is just normal to him. Mm-hmm. Where, like With what you're saying now, where does it come that point where you say, okay, this is enough of what you do with second nature. This is what I need you to do for the team. Because he's still quite mm. younger, and yeah. we always talk about United and how they play and everything with all of their pieces. How do you then start, you know, making sure that he actually works towards a team? Because can that be to his detriment almost? Because um, literally everything he does now mm-hmm. is it's like a sweet science to him. Yeah, like, it's beautiful. The, I remember the the pass that Pogba did for him mm. before that ball even left Pogba's foot. He knew that okay, I'm going to run round, mm. and you're going to follow me like a shadow, and then I'm going <laughs> to bend back in. And then I know I'm going to have only a little bit of the goal, but mm. I know I can shoot in that corner. Yeah. That, that's not like an instruction. That is just him playing how he plays. You know what it comes down to as well, Mio, is, um, is so Steve Koppel, after, when he said that to me, I obviously now realise he's got total confidence in me in that area of the field. But like I say, what frightened me more than anything else, which you have to learn, which you have to know, is that sometimes you'll see Mason Greenwood come back and he'll get the ball and he'll pop it off. You know what I mean? When I started at Palace, I would get the ball and I'd try and take people on from there. He's learned already where to do it. That's what mm. it comes down to. And then what happens is, is that you've got the midfield players that he's got behind him. They know that with his pace and his finishing ability, like Pogba, Pogba's passing the ball from halfway in his own half to a Mason Greenwood running at full speed. You know what I mean? We're talking about a, a, a a, a space, what, what we're talking, 60, 70 yards he's got left and he's done one pass for about 20, 20 yards along the ground. Mason Greenwood does the rest. They trust him. So, they, so with his second nature stuff, he will be told, go and do your stuff. But make sure that when we get here, then give it to Bruno or give it to Pogba if that's the case because they are the ones that orchestrate what we're doing. You go up there, they will get it to you. Now, I learned that a lot more when I went to, to Arsenal because I had so many more people who had the kind of ability where they can find you. So then this is where learning how to make the runs and sometimes making runs and you know the ball's not coming. I remember John Hollins, the great, old, the great John Hollins used to say to me, um, you're going to make runs, you're not going to get the ball because there's other good players as well. You're not the only one in that team now. Not like a Palace, you make the run, you get it. Now you make the run, it won't come. That is something you also have to learn because 
when you're used to you getting that, and he's probably used to doing that in his younger team coming through, you get into the first team, you're making runs. It doesn't make no difference. We're, do, we're doing this over here. So you have, to, you have to kind of compute that and know, okay, that run didn't work. Okay, I'll come back inside here and constantly be on the move in that final third of the pitch because the players know that you're good enough and they know that once we get the ball in and around him, get it in and around that last third, he's going to score because he's natural second nature stuff like you're asking me about, Mayowa, just comes. When you're in the last third, when I'm in the last, it just comes. And, you know, like I said, there was, a, there, was a, there was a time where I was afraid of people like Jim Cannon and Mickey Joy and, and George Wood, the goalkeeper, because they were those old senior players. And, you know what I mean? They frightened me. But once they were gone, Steve Koppel just literally told me where I could do my stuff, give the ball to him because he'll get it to him, then he'll get it into you eventually. And you just get up there and go and do what you're doing. And it was like, you know, watching him and watching his progression is going to be amazing because he's got so much natural raw ability and it's happening so early for him at his, at his young age that it's frightening to see what happens as he gets anywhere near his prime. Frightening. Scary hours. Scary, bro. Scary. I want to talk about the WSL, but before we get in, I just want to say to the FAI, Irish Federation, and that, um, well done. Congratulations to everybody. Delighted for the women. Delighted for the men as well. Seamus Coleman and the guys fighting for the ladies to get equal equal money from the, the FAI and the Federation, which I think is just it's just music. It's it's, it's music to to those ladies. Um, have you not seen the LFG? Let's fucking go. The American <laughs> women's team taking the honestly. I, you have to watch it, guys, and then we have to talk about it because there was times in it where I just. I'm just watching it. Just, I just burst into tears. You know, tears just roll down your face. The, 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 the disrespect that these women have had to go through when it's just wrong. I can't. I don't want to do any spoilers. So when you lot see it, you have to. You ha- we have to talk about it because them ladies, man, that American US team, all of them, nothing but respect for them. Probably. Um, nothing but respect for them. But like, watch that, guys. And then we'll, we'll go from there. Okay, guys. So um, Barclays WSL back this week. Um, the fixtures. Who we got? We've got Arsenal, Chelsea, United playing Reading City, playing Everton. Um, quite looking forward to it this season because if I'm going to be totally honest, I'm quite, I'm quite excited about Arsenal signings from the, women, from the women's side. They're giving me some love. I'm getting, some, I'm getting something from them. Chelsea frightened me. City frightened me. Um, but at the moment, I've got to say, watching... Watching Arsenal, especially against PSV, and watching uh, Mana Iwabuchi got my shirt and everything. She's she's she looks good, bro. You know she kind of gives something totally different to what Jill, Jill Rude gave because when she pops into those little places, man, she makes things happen, man. She's just like so much energy. And then you look at someone like Nikita Paris, who, you know, what I mean, if 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 Viv comes off, she can go long. You know what I mean? You got Iwabuchi used to play with Viv, so they, they know this stuff. I'm very excited about what this team, Arsenal, might be able to do. But coming up against Chelsea, my, you know what I mean? It's, it's, Chelsea's tough, bro. Just got, I don't, how's, how's Lauren James going to fit in? I think how's she, she fit in? I think that she'll do exactly that. I think she will fit in. I think she's, she's proven that, you know, she can do it. And she's so young that I think this is, it's funny you mentioned Nikita, right? That Nikita's 27. You still mm. think like Nikita that would, you know, broke through in the WSO. And yeah. even in her career, she's still quite young. Yeah. Um, Viv was mentioning the other day that she's in the 10th um, year of her career. So hold on, wow. what? You're 25 and you're a GOAT already. Like a lot of these players are still very, very young. And as you mentioned, right, this is the most exciting season yet. I mean, you know, bigger coverage, yeah. So many clubs doing amazing things, more fixtures at bigger arenas. Like this mm. is beautiful to see. And you, you mentioned Arsenal and Chelsea and you mentioned that, oh, Arsenal can't they catch a break. Arsenal are going to be a surprise package this season. You know, sometimes you need, you're on a journey and, you know, things are going great. Let's not forget, that's the most prestigious club in this. Like when we're yeah, talking man. about this, that is the club. No matter what's happened in recent years, they are that team. But they just needed that new lease of life, that new beginning, that new chapter. Mm. And you bring in signings, you bring in a new manager and you go to yourself, you know what? Let's really show people what we're about. Let's go on this journey and really have a good time. And I think the signing of Nikita Paris sort of just epitomizes where Arsenal are at. You know, you've done well. Things have, you know, just cooled off a bit. Now you're coming back to take what's yours. If she comes and hits fire, she's 
basically yeah, nearly back to double, top WSL sh- um, goal scorer. She's yeah. she's pretty close. She left. I mean, you know, where is that? So you got the top goal scorer in your team, and yeah. you come, you left, and you were nearly you're nearly amongst it now. You could overtake her by outscoring her in the same team. It's amazing Literally, to get two players. I mean, of that goal scoring caliber in the same team. It's bonkers. Viv is what a couple goals off a hundred. Yeah, as well yeah. goals for Arsenal. Like they they are going to be scary, and I think they've got something to fight for as well. And you know, with the Champions League campaign there and everything too, I think that will help them. I think Chelsea that Champions League heartbreak on the other side will give them enough energy but, to go yeah. again. And I really loved. I think everyone. F- that didn't know about Emma fell in love with her over the Euros because of how, mm-hmm. you know, she speaks, mm-hmm. how she, this is a real doctor of the game. She understands the game. She, she, she is the game. Real talk. She is the game. Mm-hmm. And the way she broke down the Champions League defeat and went into it, mm-hmm. I was listening, I thought to myself, okay, this is like a wounded animal that's coming back to make sure that, you know, exactly. everyone knows that they're, they're back for it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you look at the signings, you look at just, you know what, we, we score goals, but I'm going to get Lauren James anyway. Oh my word. I think yeah. Chelsea are going to be up for it as well, but that's going to be a really good game at the Emirates you know, as well. Yeah. I think you it's sold out. You know what's good about um, Chelsea and why Chelsea for me, f- before we go on to Man United and their new manager, and not Casey Stoney, d- gutted, but before we go on to them, in respects of Chelsea and what happened to Chelsea in that final, because I watched it and I was devastated for them, but I rem- it's just weird that that happened to Barcelona themselves the, the year before. So, and then look, look how Barcelona came out. This is what I want to see, how Chelsea come out off of the back of getting to the Champions League final, which they deserve to be at, and getting beaten like they did. It was just like, the kind of, like I said, when, when I watched the game cut, it's the kind of game where you think we have to start well, because if you don't start well, this team can really get, into, get out of the blocks and bam, the game's over. The game was over. And I want to see how Chelsea respond to that. But like in respects of Man United, Carl, new manager, how do you think they're going to do? It's going to be a tough one. I was there for the, the, the media briefing, the unveiling of the new manager, Mark Skinner. And he was confident, you know, mm. in, in the same way that you ever sit in an interview where you know someone keeps going, that's a really good question. And you're using mm. that to stall. Um, mm. And... and, and <laughs> Skinner, yeah, great talker, uh, has, has the credentials. He was you know, there at Birmingham City. He was at Orlando Pride. I know he, he sometimes is viewed as a pragmatic or you know, too conservative as a manager oh. for, for the work he's done. But he was the last, he was part of a team that was one of the last teams to, to break into the, to the top three that wasn't City, Chelsea and Arsenal. So I can see why Manchester United were interested in him. I can see why he's now at Manchester United. Um, I can see he understands that he's got a big job ahead of him. Like when, when you ask him about he's sort of, what's your plan for Manchester United? He kept talking about adaptability. And it's all about trying to make a team that has many methods of play, which is again, one of those things that sounds all right. And then you go home and go, you didn't really answer that question. Um, uh, that, that's the, I think the slightly concerning thing about Manchester United was, you know, they, they were top at Christmas. There was a point where it looked as if they established the top four in the Super League rather than the top three. And then they fell away. And then because of all the turmoil and the tension that happened over the summer, it doesn't look as if they'll... I don't think they're going to push on and crack onto push. that top three yet. I think mm-hmm. they're going to probably be looking behind them to see who's trying to get them for the fourth spot at the moment. Mm. But that's me being my typical pessimistic Manchester United self. So I don't know. It's difficult with this thing right now. You see with Chelsea though, Sam Kerr and Frank Kirby, that works. But they've got to find a way of, of making it kind of get, get Peniel harder. more Because like, it just feels like she's getting shoehorned. It's because of the caliber of players she is. It doesn't feel like she's in her place yet where she's going to do a real damage. How are they, they going to fix that conundrum? Because I feel if they do, then Chelsea are, it's, it's something that, an, an extra string. I know she, she's not done it yet. It's not happened properly because I don't think that she's found her right place yet. It's funny you say it because it goes back to that conversation about strikers, right? And I feel mm. like with Harder, you look at that signing initially and you think, you know what, this is going to be your team. And then mm. you have the connection of the Kirby connection and you go, mm. oh, well, that works as well. So we might just, you know, lean on that. I think yeah. if we want to achieve everything we want to, you're right. She has to have that, be that vocal point. It has to be her team. And I think 
I mean, she's done everything. She has the ability to make it that. It's just about, you know, it all clicking together. And she does a lot of unselfish work for the team that sometimes can easily go like astray that you don't see because, you know, Sam Kerr's either scoring a goal or Kirby's doing a maze wrong. She does a lot of stuff in occupying spaces, but you're right. You do want her to, you know, be that goal scorer, banging in yep. the goals. And I think she will kick on this year because for her, that final must have hurt as well. Like it's, mm. it, it, it must have hurt everyone, but I think specifically her for what she wants to do and be one of the best players in the world. Yeah. For that to happen on that stage, it can, you know, make you grit your teeth and say, you know what, I need to go another level. But I think... This season could be the season we see all three of them work really well. And it, it's weird because the depth that Chelsea have, it's just insane. It's at the same time, insane. though. At the same time, though, mate, it's, it's the, um, the fullback situation in the, in the Champions League final. I'm yes. surprised they didn't, you know what I mean? I'm surprised they haven't strengthened in that area because we know that that front three, or however they're going to rotate and do it, it that can just click into gear. But if they're going to have to rely on playing wingers who are not natural fullbacks in those positions against them top teams, it's gonna, they're going to get undone again. Yeah, it's a question of, and that Barcelona team on the day, I mean, that front God, three, insane. How many goals did they score <clears throat> in the league? It was a ridiculous amount. You're playing yeah. against the best in the world. And I know, you know, there were some injuries, some sort of system changes before the final. And I think, Emma actually, she came out afterwards and she said, you know, if we had to do it differently, we would have, you know, we would have done it differently. And I think to the level to play in the league, it's probably enough. But you're right. If you want to, you know, win everything, you don't just need a big squad of forwards. You need a big squad in general to cover Mm -hmm. positions. But who is to say... Go and get Lucy Bronze, bro. (laughs) Just go go and get everyone. Just build a super team. (laughs) (laughs) What about City, City, Carl? Because... They got rid of some serious players. Rose Lavelle's gone. Sam Mewis has gone. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I know they've got Bunny Shaw from Bordeaux. Player. That is the kind of, that's a, that's a that's serious player. front. That's a serious signing. 22 goals, I think she got for Bordeaux last season. In fact, it was 22 goals. It's a strange one in that they're almost been forgotten a little bit in terms of the mm. top three because Ch- Chelsea just went above and beyond last season. You sort of saw Arsenal and how they've been really good in the transfer and how they've retooled. And City have just been there quietly, yeah. keeping on, keeping on. They're gonna they're gonna be top three, I think, quite easily. And I think maybe mm. if, if if Bunny Shaw starts the season hot, we could be seeing perhaps a surprise package. You know, come Christmas, I wouldn't be surprised if City mm. were top. You see, uh, the, whether or not I, they I can was, stay there. Mm, that's I, the thing. I feel that City, like you say, Carl, there. I think they're just quite pleased that everybody's always going on about maybe Chelsea. And Arsenal do get a lot of, um, they get a lot of coverage, man. I think mm-hmm. it's because obviously Vivian and, you know what I mean, because she's so, she's so prolific and everything. But Arsenal get a lot of coverage and Chelsea get a lot of coverage. Man United obviously come in. What was signing? I think they've only made a couple of signings, um, Man United. It's only really a handful. It's a yeah. kind of rebuild. Yeah. United are as close to being a transitional state without openly saying yeah. we're in a it's transition like a soft state. rebuild right it's like yeah gonna, gonna have a few bricks but just you know try not to yeah. pay too yeah. much attention let's see if we can keep forth with all this no one yeah. pay attention to what we're doing do you want to do some early predictions then yeah man let's do them uh all right who, what who, are you thinking carl well in the true rye sense i want to lure you into making a prediction and run away when you ask me to do mine <laughs> you know something <laughs> i'm gonna go with chelsea to win it with the league simply because Last season, the Champions League, Champions League final will have hurt them a lot. So they, they're going to want to make sure that they, they do the league and then go and do that properly. I think they've got a massive point to prove. So I fancy them. I think Arsenal with their new manager still getting to, still going to be getting to, to, to know the league and what he's doing in respects of, because people talking about he's kind of like, I like the way he plays. I like the way, you see that goal we scored against PSV? Yeah. Right from the back and beautiful goal, bam, 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 bam. I, I, I want to I see how we progress and if we can carry on playing like that and continue to like cause teams problems. But like, I, I, I do go with Chelsea. I'm going to go with Chelsea, but it's going to be tight, man. See, I'm thinking City with Bunny Shaw, Lucy Bronze coming. Up, you know what I mean? Hopefully, she'll be she'll be back soon because she done a she she got that operation. She done a, had her operation, so once she comes back, that's going to be another string for them. So. I'm going to probably go with Chelsea, man. Mayor, what are you, you going saying? with? Who are you going with? 
I'm going with Chelsea, but I'm going yeah. to be a bit bold here. Last season was a two horse race, literally to the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think maybe not to the end, but we're going to have a three horse race where it's going to be really tight. Mm-hmm. I think, I think with what Arsenal have done, yes, it's sort of transitional, but there's just this a belief in this camp. They've got really, really good pieces. And mm. in typical Arsenal fashion, they play really good football. We can already see that already. Yeah. I think when you bring someone like Iwabuchi, you've got Viv. And then you bring like a Nikita Paris, like the possibilities yes, are endless. Nice. Like defensively, we know that they can defend well, that they, mm. they can. They've got really good, um, Leo is great centre-half. Mm. Like they've got good marshals. Keeper's a really good keeper. I Kim think Little, they Kim can- Kim Little, bro. Kim Little, Kim Little. Yeah. But Kim Little, bro. A proper skipper that. Mm. Like, I think they can be there. I really think they can be there. And, you know, a lot of people probably be like, you know, let's see how it goes. We don't want to put ourselves in that conversation yet. I think they're going to be there for a long time. Maybe it might peter off towards the end. Mm. But I think it's going to be a free horse race for the majority of the season. I want to say Arsenal. You know what? I'm gonna, wow. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be bold. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, Arsenal are gonna squeak it. I think. Why not? For all the reasons Mayo has listed, those are reasons enough to to get that league. And I think Nikita Paris with 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 Viv gives you enough firepower to just absolutely take care of mm. the majority of the teams outside the top three and or Manchester United, depending on whether Manchester United want to get serious. So, I hope so because. I'm going to be totally honest, and I know we started the podcast talking about Arsenal, we're saying I don't want to talk about Arsenal, but I think it might be the only respite we get from anything. (laughs) Ladies don't let us down. I can see Chelsea, I can see Emma Hayes getting revenge for the Champions League final and Chelsea winning the Champions League, but I can also see that Champions League campaign slightly diverting attention away from Chelsea. Mm. Uh, And then Arsenal sort of squeak it. It was interesting talking to Emma during the Euros about that because it's, it's, it's a strange one because it was such it was such a massive game in her life and all of their lives. And for them to to start like they did, and she was just so open with it. She said, you just, you just can't get caught like that. Right, with that though, really quick question. From your perspective, you know, you've heard from what Emma said about that, but mm. when playing a big game and you have those sort of moments that Chelsea had, mm. like... What is it like in that moment? Because a few weeks ago, I think I did this Twitter thread where I said, it's still nil-nil must be like the most useless phrase thrown in football. Mm. But like, you know, when you concede earlier, something like that happens and your head goes like, in that moment, what does that actually feel like? For a striker anyway, what, does that, what must that feel like? It's scary. It's scary. It's, it's, it's scary because like, like I was saying, I remember I had to speak to, I speak to her about it and I said, the, 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 the most scary thing about going into a big game whether it's a semi-final or final or whatever, is that you are afraid of starting slowly. Mm-hmm. You're afraid of them starting quickly. You know, people say, yeah, but then you start quickly. Then the people say, oh, you scored too quick. You scored too early. I don't think you can ever score too early because the confidence and the instant negativity that goes through a team that is thinking when you're going into a big game, do not concede. Yep. Then you concede, especially if you're away from home, the fans are on your case because what happens is then they say, let's finish it now, especially if it's a two-leg game. You're petrified of conceding again. Everything what happened to Chelsea in that game, you know what I mean? It was like, I could see, it was like the nightmare. While it was happening, I said, this is, this is a nightmare for him. I remember we played against Sampdoria in the second season when we played in the Cup Winners' Cup. And it was like Mancini and Lombard. This little guy, we didn't even know him, Claudio Bellucci. He came and before we knew it, Bam, bam, scored two goals. And when we played them at home, they scored, we, I think we were, being, we were winning 3-1 and then Mancini made it 3-2. Then we went over there and they scored two goals in, in quick succession. And the crowd, the crowd noise was like, it was frightening. You'd have thought there was 100,000 people there. They just kept going. Tony Adams just said, everybody, drop back 10. Drop back 10 and just like, let's just fight. Let's just fight. Bam, we get a corner. I scored a goal, made it 2 1. So we was level on aggregate, then we finished level. Bam, we beat them on penalties. I think Stefan, Stefan Schwartz scored. My head would be so hot. And you know what? Like it's, FIFA. It's, you can't it's restart. Scary. You it's can't scary. Restart. You, have to live in, you have to live in that moment. Like you and, have to exist with it. You can't restart. You can't say, sorry, guys, I didn't start too good. Come and you, then you're come nervous. Me. What you're nervous about is, is now their defenders are even more like, trying to like getting, getting into you and right, digging into you and doing all the stuff about you. And then doing all that stuff where they're trying to 
intimidate you even more. Because then what I get, what I get afraid of, which was one of my main weaknesses when I used to play, was not keeping the ball. Mm-hmm. Especially when you don't keep the ball and people are making runs off you and you're not getting a lot of opportunity because this team's on you. The only way you can beat them is on the break. And if the ball comes to you, you've got to make sure you retain it to go. Because yeah. then you get Tony Adams and Boldy and all of them slaughtering you for saying, we can't get a break. Mm-hmm. We're 2-0 down and you need to start holding the ball. So you instantly, you go into pe- like scared mode. But now because you're kind of more experienced, you know how to do it. But the initial feeling of that gut feeling what you have where your f- stomach goes, oh no, oh God, this has gone wrong. This is not, this is not what... Because the first, last thing you say before you come out of the dressing room is do not concede. To concede two, they concede two, then three, then four. It's over. You know, we were lucky. You know what I mean? We, we, we had leaders on there, good enough lead, like Tony, all of them, all the back four, all leaders. It just kind of like stemmed the flow, stemmed the blood flow, man. And then like we stopped it, took the sting out of them a bit, made a couple of fouls, got it going. And then, you know, we, we beat them on penalties. Guys, just before we go, uh, something from the weekend. Favorite goal? What's your, your favorite goal from the weekend? I've got mine. I've got mine. Can I do mine last? I'll do mine last. Yeah, it's your house. <laughs> the one I'm laughing at and the one I'm looking mm-hmm. at a lot is uh, Villarreal's own goal against Atletico <laughs> de Madrid on Sunday. It's just, if you haven't seen it yet, it's absolutely bizarre. So Villarreal 2-1 up against Atletico Madrid. Uh, it's the, what, it's half, it's 30 seconds to go. So, you know, 94 plus 30 mm. in the 95th, you know, 95 minutes of stoppage time left. And you're going, okay, so Atletico Madrid, they're, they're going to lose this game and that's going to open up La Liga. You're thinking, oh, maybe this could be Real Madrid here. Oh, maybe Barcelona could be doing something with Memphis. I think Memphis is going to be great for Barcelona, by the way. Wow. Yeah. So you go, you go, you know, X, Y, Z. And then just a simple back header from Villarreal, completely wrong foot to the goalkeeper. All four Villarreal defenders sort of all collapse simultaneously as this happens because they just in sheer disbelief. And Atletico Madrid equalise. And you're seeing Diego Simeone give it some in that true sort of, as if he had scored the last minute goal himself. It's, yes, I love when he goes. I love when he goes. It's hilarious. It's one of the best, worst own goals I've ever seen. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely keeping my eye. Is that you? you That's know my what? goal from the weekend. Carl, you've, you've convinced me because I was going to go for my boy Havertz with his um, Chicharito sort of inspired <laughs> flick on header. Mm. But let's let's stick to let's stick in Spain and in the same vein, it was the first game in their newly formed third league. Yep. Oh wow. First yeah, goal that that's one. conceded. Back pass. Goalkeeper messes it up. Like it's gone past him. Then he tries to swing at it. He just collects loads of air like Tony Hawks. And then the <laughs> defender and then the striker just comes in and taps it in. And you're thinking to yourself, if this is the third league and this is the chaos. I'm going to tune in. But separate <laughs> note, I love the, the name of one of the teams. Like the first part of the name was culture. And I really like that. That's really different. That's like, good. you know, usually you've got kind of, you know, like a city or a town. They're just called culture. And then the name of the town. I really liked that. So yeah, I'm going to go. My, my favorite goal of the weekend was, was that goal. First goal, the curtain raiser of the Spanish third league. Absolute mm. blunder. Can I, can I, can I say, I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I'm going Premier League mm-hmm. um, and it's a player that, I always thought that could do a lot more, but you never, you didn't think it was going to ever happen for him at Leicester, Damari Gray. Yeah. Right. Um, he scored a goal, scored a goal against the Leeds in, in, in his debut um, at the start. Of the then he scored a goal on the weekend against Brighton, which was so just like, just so direct and easy for him. He picked up that ball and he was motoring. Full pace, bam, 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 bam. Great finish. And what's good about watching someone like Damari Gray, who's played for England at all those young levels, you know, went to Leicester. And when he went to Leicester, um, you think to yourself, what has happened? What, what has happened? Why can't, why can't he get in, the, get in that team with the capability and the ability that he's got? When you look at it, he's got pace. He's got left foot. He's got right foot. You know, you think to yourself, well, it can only be maybe, who knows, application or whatever because the, 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 the managers that he's had none of the managers that he's had has given him any kind of sustained run mm-hmm. sometimes you just need to leave 
maybe. Sometimes you just need to leave because what I've seen in the first two games, and people are already saying what they will continue to say is, yeah, well, it's the first two games. You watch, watch what happens to him. He'll, he'll, he'll fade out. You know what? I pray to God that he doesn't. I hope that he can hold this consistency because, again, that's a player who, with his abilities, with his attributes, he's another, he's another England player in the waiting if he can do that. Still only 25 as well. He's still, tw- still yeah, exactly. 25. He's got another yourself- one from the Birmingham sort of production line yes. as well. A lot of people yes. forget about that. Like, he's, he's from there. But If the what- penny drops me, if the penny's dropped with him, problems, danger, danger, danger for everyone. He's going straight into my fantasy football, I'm telling you that. He's been in, he's been in, man. I called him early. He's been he's, in my draft. He's been in my fantasy. I've been cashing out. Delighted for Patrick Bamford, England squad. Absolutely delighted. I forgot to say that. What a great thing for him because obviously he would have been watching the Euros and he'd been desperate to have been involved. Now he's got, now he's in there and he's got a chance. So I was pleased for him as well. I was delighted for him with his season where he broke out and scored those goals because I know how hard these guys are working and how easy it is for people to write you off. So, Delighted for those two. Maybe I could give, um, I'm going to give Patrick Bamford flowers, man. Oh, I'm going to give him flowers. For, yeah, I'm going to give him some flowers for, um, for, for biding his time. You know, he, he was so close to being in, amongst that squad. Him, it's him and Calvert-Lewin, um, kind of like they was, the, the guys who were jockeying for that place got to Calvert-Lewin and I'm sure he'd be disappointed with the way it went, went for him. But at the same time, you have to swallow that. You have to, you have to take that on board, someone like Patrick Bamford. And you're thinking, well, when's it going to happen for me? Now you're there, Patrick. It's happened. He's brought you in and obviously he's had you in his mind. And now it's up to you from now until the 20, going towards 2022 to continue with the form that you've shown. So as then he would, you, you can stay in his mind. Because what we've seen with Gareth, guys, is that if, he's, if, you're, if you're doing it for him and you play for, well for him, he will pick you and he'll keep you regardless of what people say. Because we have to trust what Gareth does, does now and Gareth we trust because he proved in the Euros I'm going to do what I fucking want and I'm going to prove you lot wrong and then that's how you're going to shut up. He does so now, what he wants. You know, as, as, as he does what he, he wants. wants. And that is why with, with people like um, with people like Patrick Bamford it's a brilliant squad to be in. It's a brilliant squad to be in so he's got to get flowers. I'm quite pleased about that. I'm going to end on that. Yeah. I'm going to end on that. Yes, Patrick. Patrick, Pat, flowers for Patrick. Oh, Respect, Patrick Bamford. Guys, listen, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to say goodbye, farewell, adios. Until we meet again, fellas. It's been great, guys. I'll speak to you soon. For sure, for sure. Abiento. Thanks, everybody. Thanks to Carl. Thanks to Mayowa. England are playing this week, so I'm gonna be doing that. So I look forward to England again. See how that's gonna go. But like, we'll be back next week, and um, we'll we'll see what we talk about. But like, I'm really starting to feel a little bit better. It's because I've done the podcast. I feel better when I've done the podcast. I just feel a little bit better. So I'll see you soon. I'll see you next week. Be safe, guys. 